Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning. Morning and Merry, uh, Merry Christmas. I wore a suit coat just for you who love that kind of thing. <laughs> Don't get used to it. Don't get used to it. Take a picture. Take a picture. <laughs> I do love Christmas. Um, I love the lights and uh, the story behind it all, the, the music. Uh, Christmas has its, its own collection of music and any, any singer worth their salt somewhere along the line, they produced a Christmas album. In fact, Mariah Carey's Christmas album is to this day one of the most popular anywhere. Go figure. Number one song. I was listening this week uh, to the radio and I heard uh, that, that song come across. Uh, we don't sing it here. This is one of those songs where some people love it. And other people are like, ah. I'm not talking about Christmas shoes. That's another one. I'm talking about Mary Did You Know. See that? I told you, some people love that song, right? And that uh, first time I heard that was years ago by a, a group with a singer who was also part kind of comedian. His name was Mark Lowry, one of the first people to kind of popularize this song, and maybe that's always colored it for me, and he kind of told the story in humorous ways, but the song has some pretty meaningful lyrics, right? Mary, did you know? And then it goes on to ask these questions. Did you know that Jesus would grow up to be all of these things? That he would grow up to walk on water? That he would make the blind see? Mary, did you know? Did you know he'd be the savior of the world? And it's the kind of song that just invites us to kind of imagine. I was sitting there listening to it and I got thinking about all the things we don't know and I started thinking about what I would ask Mary and man, I'm not sure I'd ask the same questions that, that the song asks. I'm pretty sure if I saw Mary on that first night, my first question would be, how are you feeling? I'm like, isn't that the first thing? Like all the guys in the room, my age and younger, you were in the delivery room. People older, you probably weren't in the delivery room. But those of us who were in the delivery room, we thought our wives were going to die. I mean, people say it's like this beautiful spiritual experience. I was just terrified I was going to lose my wife. And when she was still alive, I was just relieved. That was my number one dominant feeling. I'm glad you're alive. Let's never do that again. <laughs> Which we quickly forgot four times over. It's a fair question, too. It wasn't like Jesus was divinely dropped into the world. It was a fully human birth with all that goes along with that. But, but if I had a minute with Mary in the years after, I, I've got some other questions. They're questions that the, 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 the biographies of Jesus, and we have four very reliable biographies written in just the years after his life. 
that they don't answer. And they're sort of important. Or at least the idea behind them is important. Here's the first one. Mary, what happened to Joseph? I mean, here's the truth. We don't know much about Joseph. In fact, after his birth, we just don't hear about him. He, he largely disappears from the story of Jesus' life. There's a moment when Jesus is 12 where we have a little snapshot and a reference to Joseph. And later on in life, they would refer to Jesus as the carpenter's son. And we've built a whole narrative around that. But for the most part, Joseph disappears. In fact, what's become the common story is that we believe that somewhere in Jesus' childhood, Joseph passed away, leaving him to be raised by his mother in the community. There is one thing, though, that it tells us about Joseph. It's the most memorable thing of all. In Matthew chapter 1, in one of the biographies, and in one of the two accounts of the birth of Jesus, it, it tells us this, and this is about the, 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 the moment when Joseph finds out that she's pregnant and doesn't yet fully embrace that it's a, a divine birth. And it says this, it says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. So Joseph had two options when he found out that Mary was pregnant. He could, he could uh, let her carry the public shame of bearing a child that wasn't his and make her a public example and walk away. But it says that Joseph instead did something else. He he didn't want to make her a, a public example, and so he took shame on himself. He just decided he would quietly walk away. That's what put her away means. But it describes it this way. It says, Joseph being a just man, a good man. Joseph doing the right thing. And that's what we're left with. We're left with a man who, in spite of everything, did what was right. And we know the angel would appear and he would be reinforced and he would embrace that this child was from God himself. But in the moment, he made a decision that forever gave him a name. Just. Good righteous and then he disappears and that bothers me I mean it just doesn't if I walk through the whole story it doesn't seem fair I want I, I want I want good people to get good stuff I want just people to get their just desserts I, I want them to be rewarded here's what I want I want faithfulness and favor to go together that's just how I feel life should be. And I bet you do too. If you're faithful, you get favorable circumstances. 
I want to open up the story and find the good stuff. But the truth is, sometimes we open up the story and we don't find what we hope to find. It's like, it's like when you open up a, you, you take an Oreo cookie and you open it up. You know what you're expecting to find, right? You came for the good stuff on the inside. In fact, if you've been following this, and, and it's, it's online, it's, it's like gone viral, people are upset about Oreo cookies. Have you seen this? They claim that because of inflation and shrinkflation that the company is putting less stuffing inside. I hate to ruin your Christmas. Some of you are going to go home and go, no, no, no. Right? No, it's for real. Like people are doing videos, viral videos, where they open up a double stuff and it's like an old single stuff. No, no, no. And if you think I'm making this up, you go home and look it out. The Wall Street Journal did an article on this. Man, we expect to open it up and man, there is the good stuff. But here's the truth. Uh, faithfulness and favor don't always go together. Sometimes the reward for faithfulness is a good name. It's what they know about you. It's what you know about you. I just wanted to start here and say this, because maybe you're here this Christmas, and you're at the end of what feels like a long year. And, and it just feels like the faithfulness hasn't resulted in the favor that you thought was coming. And you're struggling. I think Joseph is just a good reminder for me and for you and for us that if you've been faithful, and you've done what's right, and you've made the hard decisions, and you've struggled through it. I'm not saying you've been perfect, but you've been faithful. You have a good name. And Jesus, he knows that. He knows your name, and it is well recorded. Joseph was a just man, and all of history would know it. And that is reward enough. I've got one more question, though. If I got Mary's attention, I'm going to get everything out of her I can. I want to know, when Jesus was young, what kind of friends did he have? Like, here, here's, here, here's what it says in Luke, in the, the record of his birth. It says shortly after, in, in verse 52, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. In other words, it says Jesus grew and he became, and people noticed, all the people I'm like, 
who? Who were, who were Jesus' friends and what were they like? And Because listen, here's my thing. If you were Jesus' friend and later on in life he walked on water, you would tell people, when we were nine, we had a sleepover. <laughs> like you would like, like you would, I grew up, uh, one street over from me, um, there was a kid named Travis and he was a few years younger than me, but he was an incredible basketball player. And when we were young, we played a little basketball together. A little, not a lot, a little. And he became famous, went on to the NBA. His name was Travis Best, had a great career. I definitely, definitely, definitely bragged about that to people. 100% back in my days when I was playing soccer, if we got in a conversation, I was telling you how I played with Travis Best. How when he was four years younger than me, he like, you know, took me to school. I wasn't embarrassed. I was like, that guy's amazing. But there's nothing. There, there's, there's virtually nothing in the reliable biographies of Jesus about his childhood and what he did and, and who he knew. And, and, and here's why this question is in my mind. Because Later on, Jesus was known by his friends. And if you followed the story of Jesus, you know this is true. Later on in his life, Jesus was known by his friends. Let me read you one passage and what it says. Um, in Matthew 11, this is just one of them, and all of those who wrote about his life took time to comment on Jesus' friends because they were not who anybody expected. It says, the Son of Man, on the other hand, talking about Jesus, he feasts and drinks. He, you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. In other words, he's, it worked out. But this is what people knew. This is what people saw. He was, he was literally a, a, a friend of, of sinners. That's what he was known for. And, and I just want to know, did that start when he was young? <laughs> like... Because parents, parents are parents, and parents are protective, and moms and dads, you know what I'm talking about. There's kids, you're like, nope, you're not staying over their house. Mm -mm -mm -mm. And I just wonder if Joseph and Mary got together and said, he can't stay over that guy's house. No, no, he's not. You know why this, this idea that Jesus was a, a friend of sinners resonates so deeply with us? Why he, he made room in his life for the people nobody else would make room for when he picked his followers. He picked a, a bunch of has-been fishermen who didn't make the rabbi cut. And when he chose to go to parties, he went to parties with people he wasn't supposed to go to parties with. And I'm not saying he, he lived like them or he followed their example. He absolutely didn't. He came to bring them life and life to the full. But Jesus clearly made room in his life for people no one else was making room for. And the reason that matters so much to us and to you to me is somewhere deep down inside we know we're not that worthy and we wonder 
would he love me? Would, would I make the cut? What does Jesus see when he sees me? And that's the message of Christmas. That God came into the world in human form for you. For you, and you, and you, and you, and me. Christmas was God's way of saying, I know everything about you. And I know what it's like to struggle. Jesus, it would later say of him, he endured every temptation we have endured, yet without sin. Christmas is God's way of saying, I know everything about you, and I love you. I love you. That's it. It's not complicated. I love you. Britt uh, quoted a verse I want to read. It says um, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says he saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. So I guess I'd just close with this this Christmas. Has Jesus been revealed in your life? Has he shown himself to you? Have you seen him for who he was and how he loves you and what he gave so that you could say yes to him? And if he has, have you embraced him? Have you said yes to him? Have you accepted him as your own savior? I can't think of a better way to finish this part of our service than with a moment of prayer and an invitation to do just that. Would you bow with me? In the quiet of the moment, in a room filled with 
hundreds of people, I hope that you could just separate that out so that you can be alone in your thoughts with what God might be saying to you, revealing the truth of his son, Jesus Christ, so that you say yes to him. If that's you, then I would just invite you in the seat where you're sitting, just in the quiet of the moment on this Christmas Eve, that you might quietly from your heart pray, God will hear you saying yes to Jesus Christ. You might pray something like this, Dear God, you know everything about me. Every sin, every struggle, every secret. And you love me. I believe that. And you came to offer me the gift of forgiveness, of, of salvation. And this Christmas, I accept it. I say yes to your gift. I invite you into my life. Help me now to live my life fully for you. I pray. In Jesus' name.